You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Thursday, August 22nd, back in the studio. Yes, I had to have my phone in front of me the last two days. To remind you what day it was? I could not remember. On Tuesday, I didn't look before I turned my mic on, and it was a hot mess. You do realize it's right here in <laughs> front really? of you on the screen. It tells See, you what day it is. That's the only way I know what day it is when we start the program. I'm really not smart some mornings. <laughs> it's Gl- fine. <laughs> glad to be back in the studio. We have something great to celebrate. Historic Trinity Lutheran Church here in St. Louis is uh, celebrating a, a milestone anniversary, and we're going to share some of the great history and also how Historic Trinity Lutheran Church is serving and reaching out in the community here mm-hmm. in St. Louis as well. Looking forward to sharing that with you today. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. I had to do all of that by myself. It was oh, that's sad. right. Yeah. It works much better in tandem, It does. (laughs) Joining us in studio this morning, friends from Historic Trinity Lutheran Church in the beautiful Soulard neighborhood of St. Louis. In studio this morning, Pastor Steve Albers from Trinity. Good morning, Pastor Albers. Good morning. And uh, Andrea... (laughs) Rutger, Director of Christian Education, fellow DCE in the studio this morning. Good to, good to have you there, here this morning. Good morning. So let's learn a little bit about the history of uh, Trinity Lutheran Church. 180 years of proclaiming God's uh, mercy, Christ's mercy for us here in St. Louis. When and, and how did, did Trinity find its beginning? Pastor Albers? Well, there were some ships that came over, obviously, from uh, Saxony, from Germany, and um, uh, four of them made it, and they came upstream from New Orleans, and then some went back to Perry County the next spring. Um, but they they came because of their passion, and I I'll use that word a, a lot. They they had a real passion, which I think is kind of marvelous. Uh, passion for for faith, for matters of faith, for being able to articulate that faith, uh, express it in ways that were free to them and uh, that became as i and i am no historian by a mm-hmm. long shot there are more people including the person to my left who who knows this a lot better than i do but i was impressed by by that uh, zeal for um uh for the gospel really what that was, was back in 1839 that they came yeah wow. Yeah. What was the uh, the original uh, plan for Historic Trinity? What what were they uh, what were they they looking to do when they when they landed here in St. Louis? Well, initially they worshipped in an Episcopal church, uh, basement of an Episcopal church. Um, I'm sure they intended to build a church, but mm-hmm. mostly I think they it again uh, it's always interpretation. But I think they really wanted to to continue and form a a bond of. Uh, oneness a bond of unity Mm -hmm. and i think they had to cement that they really cared they were really really like a reflection of acts two about really sharing in common that's how i read that anyway Mm -hmm. but uh, sure i'm sure they wanted to build a church Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the 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 neighborhood uh, that trinity is in now is it's a very historic neighborhood can you talk a little bit about um uh the relationship of of trinity with that old historic neighborhood in st louis today or back then, well, or today. Uh, <laughs> Either way. Well, again, they don't don't hold me to this. Um, <laughs> but historically, they're one of the challenges that, according to our resident archivist Dennis Rathard, um, they wanted to know where they had to build a larger church in the early 1860s, and they didn't know where, and they had sort of some disagreements on where to build the church, and there were some of the the uh, more affluent members of the church who just took it upon themselves to go out and buy land 
and they bought it in Soulard. Mm -hmm. And so the rest is, as they say, history. <laughs> but it's significant that because Soulard is such a, um, well, eclectic, mm -hmm. um, known, well-known mm -hmm. uh, community within neighborhood within St. Louis. So, boy, that was a wonderful thing that they that they didn't have any of that in mind, of course, but... <laughs> Andrea, anything you want to add to the the history here? I know you've you've done some research of the history of Trinity as well. Yeah, I guess it'd just sort of be interesting to watch as Trinity interacted with the neighborhood. The original building that they first built was down by the arch, and then when they outgrew that, they moved to Soulard, where it was pretty much empty at the time, minus the Soulard Market, which is still in there. And so we've watched the whole neighborhood as a church grow up as Anheuser-Busch came in about 50 years later and grew up as Prohibition went through the neighborhood. I'm pretty sure that didn't go well <laughs> in, 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 in Soulard. But so to see all these historic acts as Ulysses S. Grant would sell stuff a block over from our church, Mark Twain was riding literally across the street from our sanctuary doors. So I think just seeing how all of that it would have been fun to watch all of that be developed over the last 180 years as we yeah. just weren't passive people in the car in the neighborhood but as we were interacting with all of these historic events i didn't realize that it was closer that, that it originally was built closer to the arch i mean that's right on the river then yeah. as well pretty close to the river mm -hmm. so it's a, a little bit of a distance what i don't know how far that is now to where the new location is it's about a mile and a half okay oh so. that's closer than i thought yeah. <laughs> I don't know St. Louis geography I should yet. spend more time. <laughs> what were, um, it, who were some of the, the pastors that, uh, or, or significant um, names that, that our listeners might know who have been a part of Historic Trinity? Well, more recently, of course, um, uh, Pastor Dave Marth, who was, uh, Josh succeeded him as pastor, and um, before him, Sam Golterman, who at one time, worked with uh, BHE, I think, but he's a very, very prominent man in the Synod. Um, and, of course, all the way back to C.F.W. Walther, who was the second pastor, um, taking over after his brother Otto died suddenly. Um, by the way, C.F.W. Walther, you know, he, he looks pretty stern and, and uh, well, probably most of them were, but, but he, he really... Um, I, I gained a little bit of a new appreciation for for his theology. Uh, he was really, um, really all about grace. Uh, he he was he fostered that. He he said the church exists. The true church, paraphrased, exists because of God's grace. That's what what the focus is. And I thought, boy, oh boy, no wonder. And they loved him. I mean, he they had three churches. And he would. They wanted him to preach at all of them. So he would, he would preach in the morning, in the afternoon, and then the evening. Um, then he became president of the synod, and they reluctantly allowed him to do that. <laughs> I don't think the guy ever slept. But I, I, again, his passion for the gospel. Um, I read that in the seminary, but but I think you gain a different appreciation when you when you look back at that history and you see the profoundness of that theology. Through those many of year, th those many years, I I'm sure there were um, times of you know of uh, abundance and times where things were scarce as well. What were some of the trying years and and the challenges that that Trinity faced? I would guess sometime around the Great Depression, the neighborhood started in a, a, a time of decline. Mm -hmm. um, 
it got to the point that the city of St. Louis was even going to blight the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, And instead of just accepting that, I know the congregation at one point had a conversation as to whether they were going to close the doors or if they were going to take ministry and run with it. And they they chose to run with it. Um, But it took working with other agencies in the neighborhood. Um, So we, we started working with the Catholic Church down the street to help create a homeless shelter and to start taking actions to turn the neighborhood around so that the city of St. Louis would not blight the neighborhood and turn it into a giant shipyard. Mm. So the neighborhood has been, you know, literally from an entirely boarded up street to now people are paying a million dollars for a house down there and the neighborhood still shows that we we have homeless living next to millionaires and we attempt to do ministry with both of those uh segments of the neighborhood mm-hmm. you talked a little bit about uh, just the the wide range of of things that have gone on in soulard um hopefully i'm saying that right i got yelled at a long time ago <laughs> i said it wrong yeah yeah soulard um not soulard not soulard yeah I, anyway uh it's a st louis thing um but uh talk to me a little bit more about uh the witness that trinity has been you mentioned a few things um about the, the witness that trinity has been uh, from from its founding days? Some of it's just the need for innovation. So the, we needed a body. So we helped create the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, or at that point, we needed a way to distribute information. So we helped form Concordia Publishing House. Mm-hmm. We became the first, we wrote, needed a way to disseminate information. So we had a magazine, which became the forerunner for the Lutheran Witness. We needed education. So the seminary got moved. So it was a lot of like four running of different uh, stuff that a church body needs. So a lot of innovation was coming by producing even the first hymnal for the, for the Synod. Going way back, um, just a couple of years after the church was actually founded, um, which was 1847, I think that's what the date seemed to be mm-hmm. anyway, and that's what we're celebrating. But uh, there was a cholera epidemic mm-hmm. in St. Louis, which really killed about a quarter of the residents in St. Louis. And, of course, mm-hmm. that had to include people from, from Trinity. And then you mentioned, or one of you mentioned about being close to the river. And there was also, uh, I, don't, I can't remember when, or I uh, don't, don't remember the date on that, but it was early in St. Louis's history that there was a massive fire that, mm-hmm. that destroyed... Um, boats and uh, and the basically the the riverfront i don't think that it impacted trinity i don't think but uh th- then there was a tornado <laughs> which did impact trinity that everything was destroyed the building was destroyed um except for the the pulpit and the uh, the baptismal font wow. so mm-hmm. that kind of resilience is more than a culture i i really think that goes again to the heart of faith and and uh, knowing that that the lord was leading them and guiding them mm-hmm. it's it's interesting to to hear the history to look at the history and and to see how a congregation is an integral part of a city's history and how that city's history is also a part of who this congregation is as well uh celebrating 180 years of the lord's blessings at trinity how are you celebrating that in the near future that's a great segue, I think. Uh, it, it really reflects who we are as a congregation these days and who and what Trinity has been for these low these 180 years. Our three-week focus is going to be start with Reformation again, the uh, very hallmark of our seminal teachings, cardinal teachings of our church, 
the next week is going to be um, All Saints Day celebration, again, reflecting on those saints who have gone before us. And then on the 10th is going to be the so-called actual thank, er, celebration. And uh, and the theme is Forward in Faithfulness, based on Hebrews 12. Um, and and instead of having a dinner or potluck or whatever, we're actually going to have a mission and ministry fair, which reflects and shows, displays all of the ways in which this congregation is involved in, in outreach and in ministry. So I think that's unique, and I'm glad to be part of it. Celebrating 100 years of the Lord's blessings at Historic Trinity Lutheran Church in Soulard, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Pastor Steve Albers and DCE Andrea Retger, thanks so much for being here. We're gonna, Andrea is going to stick around and share some more with us because we're going to talk about what's happening today in Historic Trinity as well, and we'll welcome some more friends from Trinity. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. August 22nd, 2019, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsor, Mary Hamilton of Redbud, Illinois. Mary made a contribution to help share the gospel worldwide in loving memory of her wonderful and loving grandmother, Lottie Hannibet. Mary is also paying it forward in appreciation of Concordia, Wisconsin, sponsoring the Coffee Hour. Thank you, Mary Hamilton, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO day sponsor. Hello, this is Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work and Intersection? Every week, you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in, and may the intersection of Word and Work be busy on your corner. Our listeners and supporters are talking about Worldwide KFUO. One of my real aspirations is to set my mind on things above where Christ is. That's hard in that world of distraction. KFUO is really helping me to fix my mind on things above, to meditate on the things of Christ. You've been very helpful to me, and I appreciate it. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Worldwide KFUO. For the next Law and Gospel Rumination Tuesday, I, Tom Baker, and Wes Reimnitz will discuss a resolution that occurred at the recent ELCA convention. And I am sure it will shock you what they now believe, which makes them not even Christian. Listen to Law and Gospel weekday mornings beginning at 9.30 on KFUO. Welcome 
Welcome back to the coffee hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Thursday, August 22nd, celebrating 180 years of the Lord's blessings at Historic Trinity Lutheran Church in St. Louis, in the neighborhood known as Soulard, St. <laughs> Louis. If you're from St. Louis, you know where that is. It's a, a, a really um, unique, eclectic part of the community. Let's learn a little bit more about that community. We're talking with our friends from Trinity Lutheran Church. Andrea Recker, she's the Director of Christian Education at Historic Trinity, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk with uh, Andrea a little bit more about um, what that neighborhood looks like today and and how Historic Trinity is reaching out. Also joining us in studio now, Pastor Joshua Hatcher from Historic Trinity Lutheran Church. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. It's good to be here. And also joining us, Bob Kurtz, Community Care Director at Historic Trinity. Bob, welcome. Uh, good morning. Thanks. So, Andrea, tell us, what does the, the neighborhood of Historic Trinity Lutheran Church, what does that Soulard neighborhood look like today? So it's a, it's a community on the mend right now. It, we have about 13 bars within one block of our front door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's the pick-up and drop-off space. If you're going to a Blues game or a St. Louis Cardinals game, we do Mardi Gras. Like mm-hmm. We are the second largest uh, celebration in the United States. It's a very eclectic neighborhood. You Never know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's choosing the words carefully. Uh, well, you know how it is. Um, but there's also a, a huge market there uh, that is fairly famous, too. Well known, yeah. Well known market. I've yet to, I'm afraid of the crowds, so I haven't actually gone there yet. <laughs> um, but what, what else makes Soulard a, um, a unique place uh, for people? In our first segment, you mentioned uh, homeless uh, next to millionaires now. Um, what else makes Soulard just a really uh, cool place for people? I think just it being a bar district, it is, I know. Is, <laughs> it draws a lot it's of people. True. It's why yeah. people come. We you have the have largest. Have. <laughs> we have the largest pet parade, and it happens oh, to yeah. end at our front doors. So we might sit out there, and we might bless the pets that come by, which is really just us praying with the people holding the other end of the leash. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives us a lot of different ways of outreaching into the neighborhood because people are out, people are on their feet out on the streets. Um, and so it allows us the, a lot of opportunities to go out and interact with tons of different types of people who are not traditional Lutherans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's such a fun part of, of downtown every time I go there. Just it's like brick streets and old French stuff and... I don't know. My heart's always happy. Lots of city events happen. Yeah, lots of there's lots, lots of, of stuff yeah. happening. Um, but you mentioned uh, all of the people that that happen to uh, walk by or just be around um, in the neighborhood. Where is uh, witness and mercy needed in in the neighborhood at large? I think for the most part, uh, what you're looking at is a, a neighborhood that's very authentic. Everybody's themselves all the time. They're full selves. So any sort of veneer, any kind of gloss. Um, you know, you, you spot that a mile away. So walking humbly, I think, is important. Uh, we do a lot of service. Uh, we serve our neighbors, what, Bob, 60, 70 a day we'll feed breakfast to? Yeah, uh, 75, 80. Uh, Monday through Friday, we provide food for our uh, friends our, who are poor, homeless, um, uh, also a variety of uh, other services. Uh, we collect uh, we call care kits, which are personal hygiene items that we distribute, uh, clothing, shirts, especially during the summer, T-shirts, underwear, socks. We have uh, Undie Sundays at Trinity from Mother's Day to Father's Day where we collect uh, uh, these items. And we also help with uh, once per heating or cooling season 
with uh, utilities if they residents in the uh, 104 zip code. Um, we hope if they receive cutoff notices, mm-hmm. things like that. It's really it's a neighborhood that is not it's not filled with hyper culturally religious people. Mm-hmm. Uh, And a lot of them, I mean, like people all over the place, really, have been injured by institutional church at one point or another. Mm -hmm. So providing a place of proactive acceptance where people can come, where they can be loved, uh, where they can encounter God in an authentic way, uh, deeply meaningful. You watch lives being transformed left and right when people sort of, when people realize that they're loved by God. Sometimes it's the first time they've heard that. And so it, it changes the world, man. Changes neighborhoods, changes the world. Andrea, what does your role look like as director of Christian education in an urban historic congregation? You know, many of us prepare for parish education, but it sounds like your service there encompasses so much more and involvement in the community as well. I consider my job just God chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You never know what the job's going to entail, whether I'm going to be on the phone with the senator talking immigration or INS trying to get members not deported. Um, It could be visiting someone in jail. It's helping families become stronger or to just bring Jesus in for the first time. And you never know what your day is going to start like, and you never know what it's going to finish like. You can have someone show up naked at the front door that needs clothes, and that's what you're going to do that day. Um, But I have a privilege to be able to bring Jesus to, to children and youth and families that don't look like a suburban family. And I love that. How, uh, Bob, share with us some more of the, uh, the ways that, uh, share some more details about how Trinity um, serves through acts of mercy and as in the community care that you were talking about earlier, you had shared a few of the ways, paint some pictures for us and help us see what that really looks like. Sure. Uh, well, with community care, like I said, there's uh, there's a lot of our a lot of poor and our homeless friends that are in the area that uh, go between different churches down there and and looks for help. And uh, like I said, we we serve meals uh, six days a week from nine to ten thirty, and through uh, donated food items and. Uh, we just the main things that we we do is we couldn't survive without prayer uh volunteers and donations and uh also uh that not only do we provide uh there at the parish house the the food the uh, helping out with utility assistance but next door in our school building uh, uh helping hand me downs operates out of there which uh, they they donate, uh, they uh, families can come in and get anything baby stuff, you know, mm-hmm. clothes, car seats, uh, cribs, anything. They collect anything baby that uh, uh, folks can come in and they help with that. There's also a uh, uh, St. Louis Rantry program for ex-offenders. Uh, they they meet twice uh, a week. They have um, uh, meetings for those folks. Um, but they've, the, our homeless friends in the area have experienced Christ's mercy, you know, through these acts. But we also, I think the next, what the next step we want to go forward with is we'd like to see more of these, more of our friends in worshiping with us. 
you know, uh, that's been slow so far. And uh, I think that's where we're at now. The next step, how do we make that happen? Because there seems to be a, a, a bridge that we haven't able to uh, haven't been able to cross yet to where they see Trinity as more than a, a sandwich and a cup of coffee, but where they can hear the gospel also. We have just under a minute left. Pastor Hatcher, can you sum up what are the what are the, the challenges, but also the joys of uh, a historic urban congregation like Trinity today? The challenges are kind of um, this binary between, on the one hand, we're a deeply historic uh, campus, and 180 years may be historic you know, on this side of the ocean. But, I mean, we think of ourselves more as a 180-year-old campus of a 2,000-year-old church. So trying to balance this this sort of story that we have that the bricks of the building tell, which is good and beautiful and fine, but really, man, we're, we're a neighborhood in Soulard or a church that tries to reach out to that neighborhood. Uh, we're celebrating 180 years of history so that we can celebrate the next 180 years uh, looking forward. So the challenge is really um, to let the gospel speak and to kind of allow our history to stand underneath that rather than to be the driver itself. The greatest joy is, again, the authenticity of it, just the radical acceptance of Christ in that place. Pastor Josh Hatcher, Historic Trinity Lutheran Church, Andrea Retker, thank you so much for being here. Bob Kurtz, thanks for being here and, and sharing the story of and the and celebration of God's blessings at Historic Trinity. Thanks so much. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm